Now, I used to love when my elder sisters were getting ready to go out, going mm. to dances, and they were wearing maxi skirts with little... There was a kind of a fashion for a sort of an A-line maxi skirt, and then these, like, skinny ribbed tops, but they were short-sleeved yes. here. Yes, yeah, With yeah, little yeah. buttons, a scoop neck and little buttons. So they'd be wearing outfits like that. Or cheesecloth maxis, wraparound yeah. ones. So I used to love, it'd be really exciting watching them all getting ready to go out, and they'd all have the long hair. Yeah. This is the Gilded Thread Podcast. I am Irene O'Brien and I have a long-standing obsession with the role of clothing in our lives. We are definitely living in a time when so many of us have the platform to broadcast every minute of our own lives, should we choose. I wanted to hear from those people whose stories are perhaps a little less shared and learn about their lives as recalled through their style memories. Today, I am chatting with Maeve Brady, one of Ireland's most talented vintage traders, in my opinion. I was so looking forward to talking to her about her love of expression through style and to explore her relationship with clothing in both her personal and professional lives. Maeve Brady of Vertigo Vintage, I'm absolutely so buzzing to have a conversation with you today because I know you from the vintage world for many, many years. I couldn't even, I was trying to think how long uh, today and I couldn't think, maybe maybe a decade would it be that long? Well, I've been selling vintage for 20 years, just yeah. almost 20 years now, so I probably know you at least a decade. I know you since Joan Murray started the fairs and that's about, I think it was about 2008 Yes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. A little bit, more, little bit longer. So a little bit longer. Yeah, because um, they're the vintage fairs. I, I was a punter at the vintage fairs first. And I just, because I've been so, such a lover of vintage clothes. I was about to say obsessed. It's an overused word, but I, actually it's probably fair to say that I've been obsessed. Do you remember the first vintage fair? I mean, it was like a, fe- a feeding frenzy. I was, you know, I'd never done one before and I'd been asked to do it. And I was kind of a bit, I, I didn't know what to expect. But there hadn't been anything like it before. And myself, my friend Maggie who um does affairs with me she's a good friend and uh, long, my long-suffering assistant uh, as we call her because I'm so bossy <laughs> but I just have I have a vision and then you yeah, go with that yeah. but yeah we couldn't believe it it was like people were nearly tearing things out of each other's hands and stuff and it was like we, we were elated by the end of it like it was oh, such yeah. fun it was, it was wild certainly if it's the first one I think it's I think the first one is the first one I went to as well so it was before I was ever involved I said to my friend there's a vintage fair there's a vintage fair and there were traders from uh, the UK as well as Ireland as in like well, they were from the north, but I think a couple maybe came over. But it was this idea that there'd be all these original vintage traders under one roof, yeah. you know, so the excitement. Yeah. And we made a trip to Dunleary. It felt like, you know, you'd often hear about people maybe that live in Dublin City going on their honeymoon to Dunleary or something. This this great big outing, that's what it felt like. Like everyone made this occasion, you know, um, but it was, it was very exciting. So, um, so then I kind of got involved doing... Uh, kind of some styling with Joan and then some MC work and stuff as well. So yeah, we've known each other over the years. Yeah, and obviously- I, I remember you from um, from the TV program, and now I can't remember the name. And just, expose, expose at that time. I, I was to doing expose, and then of course once I was on it, then I was. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> or IP expose, yeah. but yeah, 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 it was. Uh, yeah, they did great coverage. In fairness of of the vintage fairs. Um, but so I know, like I know different bits about you and I always consider you one of 
definitely the best vintage traders that I have ever come across. I think you just have such an incredible eye and I'm lucky enough to own some pieces from Vertigo Vintage, which I love. Um, and then, and then you know, I would I would see you pop up in other places and I'd hear different things about you. I love, um, I love hearing about, uh, you know, different, different aspects of your life. So I kind of thought to myself, I'd love, I wonder if Maeve would chat to me now because I'd love to know where her love of clothing and where, where her um, interest in style and in, in fashion history as well kind of started. So who 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 was in your house growing up? I'm the youngest of five girls, no brothers, oh. um, from a, a large extended family of all mostly girls. We had very few male cousins, so very female dominated. And my, it was the same my, with my mother's family, um, a big family and mostly girls also. So um, I always liked clothes and collecting clothes. Um, and we had... Lots of, we had four aunties who were nuns. Oh, really? Yeah, um, um, on the missions and things. So we, we, I grew up with things like saris and, you know, carved bracelets and wow. el- carved elephants and stuff. But we used to play in saris and things. And we'd have like little Indian bangles and that. So, and also like I listened to the podcast that your mom did oh, um, yeah. with you. And the same, we had the parcels. But we mostly, we had more parcels coming from England. We didn't have them coming from America. But we had, uh, some of the anti-nuns were teachers in posh boarding schools. So we in got, England. yeah, in England. And we got parcels from there. Um, I must have been stuff that they had been left behind or whatever. I'm not really sure. Or the aunties were very resourceful, whatever they put together. <laughs> so, of course, the parcels were great occasions oh, yeah. as well. And I have uh, lovely memories of these organdi um, party dresses, you know, little floral kind of things with little bows and stuff on them. So I loved all of that oh, and wow. great excitement with the parcels too. Yeah, my mom had been speaking about the parcels coming from America, from family that had moved over and just, yeah, the, the anticipation and the excitement and not knowing what was there. And everything felt exotic, I suppose, as well. Completely, yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're coming from that phase where... We're, which Ireland is not long out of, of that inferiority complex where everything was, you know what I mean? If you wanted to make it big, you had to go to England or America, you know, because anything that happened here was kind of second rate until it was acknowledged by the greater world. Mm-hmm. Then you could kind of give it kudos. Mm-hmm. So from that, um, you know, um, but having looked at um, the Irish Label Archive, the girls, uh, um, you know, their Instagram site now, our account, were they're showing showcasing some of the Irish fashions um from the sixties, fifties and sixties and yeah and seventies and looking at them and you know, we were really stylish. Absolutely. That's Zoe and Orla that are that are yeah. running that, isn't yeah. it? And um and they're kind of celebrating. They say themselves that, you know, I I made in Ireland labels are almost artifacts, um, you know, now because yeah. they're so hard to come by and it's funny. I think we, I think, I think we might have mentioned them before on that. It's really nice. It's a really nice Instagram uh, account to follow, and um, yeah, we just. I think there was this idea that uh, that everything good was coming into Ireland yes. rather than than being produced here as well. And I think you you really you said that really well there actually. Um, where was it that you grew up with your with your four sisters? So you were the you were the yeah. fifth. I'm the youngest, and I am very in a very lucky place to live around the corner from where the house I was actually born in. So I went around the world and came home, but and, and none of my family lived there. It's a Stony Batter. It's just off the North Circular Road, just above Stony Batter. And um, so now I live on the road that my parents lived on wow. where they when they came to Dublin first. 
um, and it's a really, really nice place to live. It's they're they're kind of um, they're the house is from about nineteen o three or something, and um, it's a cul de sac, so it's a lovely place to live. And I feel very privileged to live there. It's steeped in history, and you know, Anstony Batter has changed so much. So it's really nice, but I'm always dying for somebody to say, oh, you're only a blow-in. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll start giving the facts and figures. Yeah, do you know my father was born in Oxmantown Road in 1909? Take that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, but, really? Yeah. So, yeah, so so you were your family quite steeped in the community then? Yeah, no, not really, because no. we moved then when I was 10 out to the suburbs, which... Um, completely uh like the suburbs in the 1970s were absolutely dire there was nothing there'd be you know a school and a church and a supermarket or something maybe and that was there was nothing to do and um it was very soulless in uh Clonsilla Coolmine Clonsilla where I grew up as a teenager so I said that when I grew up properly I will never live in the suburbs and I never have done right okay so you always knew that you were going to make your way back I would live within walking distance of wherever I worked and that was kind of um what I did so yeah and, I, and I've continued that um and now I'm retired which is really fabulous I know and congratulations because that's Thank quite you. recent isn't it yes yeah. the end of September wow so it's really good because I had been kind of in the corporate world for a very long time but I always did my vintage on my singing on the side and I had gone down to a three-day week so yeah I mean, it took me a couple of months to realize um that I am retired because I was still in the office even though in COVID but you know because I was only in three days a week so it's just fantastic I mean it's really it really is good but I was kind of giving out to myself saying I haven't achieved a lot since I retired then I said maybe for God's sake you're working for 42 years just kind of go surely that that's yeah, the exactly. glory yeah. in retirement is yeah, that you can choose those things school, so um, and you're saying that you didn't cheat very much and i've already seen you at running various pop-ups and trading and you know yeah. doing your uh, singing and everything as well but so before we kind of get to when you started vintage trading because i really do want to know what that path yeah. was your love of clothing do you think that came from your parents or your, were, were one of your sisters particularly interested or was it it was just something from really early on i'd say Probably from my mother. Um, my mother was very quietly stylish or quietly glamorous. I mean, not in a showy way or a flashy way, but she always wore lipstick and she always kept her hair really nicely. You know, maybe we were the 1960s and 70s, Dublin was very poor and, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of extra, but my mother always looked well. She didn't have a lot, but what she had looked well she took care of herself and I suppose like that I mean like I one of my catchphrases is I haven't left the house without lipstick since 1982 (laughs) and it's true I mean like I always wear lipstick and I even wear lipstick when I'm at home on my own because that's who part of who I am yeah um and I, I feel kind of strongly about people saying things are oh that's okay for around the house and all that kind of stuff it's not you know you should never wear anything that doesn't make you feel good in yourself yes but it doesn't agree more you know what I mean but it, it doesn't have to be fancy or expensive or anything just that you feel good in it and like you know it's not covered in stains or holes or something you know yeah. are really unflattering so that would be I don't know how I went off into a tangent there but my mom always looked well in a very simply kind of elegant or chic way in her you know she had good style my mother had had the benefit of an education 
in a posh boarding school in England because um, one of her aunties was working there. One of her sisters, my auntie nuns, uh, one of the auntie nuns was working there. So we had that, um, you know, she, she was, she had a very good education in the 1940s and um, consequently had a good job when she left and came home. She was a, a book, I think she did accounts or something for Burton's menswear in Cork. So she had a good salary and could have nice, you know, nice clothes, save up for nice things. But and so was surrounded by nice clothing then as well, even yeah, in her work. Yeah, so she, but she, um, she was, was from she Cork. Was she from Cork? Sorry, yeah. Cork. She, so she was from Cork. And I mean, all the aunties, they all had lipstick and kind of in those days, people, they did wear fur coats, you know, mm-hmm. for heat. And, you'd, you know, you'd have one for years, yeah. like, and stuff. So I do have that idea of, you know, kind of lipstick and being a bit glamorous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, so I suppose I... My earliest memories would be that. And my favorite period in fashion is the early 1960s. And that's when I was born. So like sometimes I see these things from 1961, like Breakfast and at Tiffany. And there's other really good films. And also I might see a fashion illustration I really like and realize, oh, that's from 1961, which is the year I was born. So um, I think I, you know, maybe the fashion came a little like in a year or two later to Ireland. So yeah. by the time I was two or three, but I seem to have picked, you know, picked that up into, in, you know, as, as what I liked. Yes. So yeah. now I really like that. And um, so it's funny when you say I like 1960s fashion, people sort of think of mini skirts and psychedelic yeah, yeah, delicate yeah. stuff. But it's more the Mad Men. Yes. You know, that yeah. era where it's a cusp kind of. I yeah. just love that in the beehives. And you know I love a beehive. Yes. <laughs> um, so I'll always have a beehive if there's something going on. And more, I think Maureen Smith is available. That's yeah. kind of my go-to. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, that would be my, the, the era I liked the most. Mm-hmm. And I did always love dressing up. I mean, you just say Halloween and I'd be, have my costume ready, you know. <laughs> and, but I did collect things. More so now than my sisters would have. So when we got parcels, and so I say, as later, sometimes my auntie would bring these things which were not, you know, no one was going to wear, but I liked them because they were vintage. Like they were part, she just thought, oh, you know, these are great party dresses, but they would have been like 1960s dresses in the late 1970s. You yes. kind of go, no one's going to wear those, <laughs> but I liked them, so I kept them. And they disappeared with um, when our family house was sold, and I spent a few years away traveling. So they ended up. I don't. I never knew where they went, but it was always. I was always a bit peeved by that that I'd actually collected all these things and they disappeared. But when my sister, who lives in Tipperary, was moving house about five years ago, she found a suitcase really? full of all these things, and it was like, oh my god, all of these that's things I'd so collected, cool. you know, like thirty years or forty years earlier. Um, so oh, that's incredible, mate. Did she know exactly what they were when she found oh, them? Yeah, that they were she knew they yeah. were mine. Yeah, I don't. They're probably just in a panic, moving, you know, yeah. and just you know, somebody was helping and just threw the suitcase in. But I mean, I used to be, be going like, be joking, you know, the way with sisters, you'd be kind of going, after I, all that time I spent keeping those things <laughs> and you threw them out. But anyway, so it was, it was thrilled. I, yeah. I mean, I actually sold a good few of them and then I kept a few and I think I may have one or two pieces. But I always, any, any given, any found or given things or personal collection things that I sell, I sell for the hospice because I, I think you know that my husband died in Our Lady's Hospice yeah. and um, it's 
it's a uh, cause that's really dear to my heart because they are just so amazing so that I do that and also it helps because if people when you sell vintage people often ask do you buy vintage yes and you know I mean it's just because people are not in the business of selling they think that like say if a dress is worth 30 euros that they should get 30 euros I know for it. I know you know and they don't realize that you're up at the crack of dawn schlepping things in the rain <laughs> standing around talking you know yeah. uh, all day and then packing it up and doing your advertisement and p- p- getting them up to yeah. sale quality sometimes yeah, exactly, as well yeah you know Repairs so, so what I would do is I say no I don't but I do accept donations and 100% goes to the hospice which means that when I'm trading a good bit I would have a few thousand for the hospice every year which is wonderful and I love that so it's good then and then um, it's um it's lovely um it's lovely as a memory of your husband as well yeah. you know because he was so supportive of your oh my gosh trading so it's, as it's well. kind of why I stopped doing markets and things because uh, it's really heavy work mm-hmm. if you're bringing a reasonable amount of um clothing with you like a couple of rails full it's really heavy work and I kept putting my shoulder out because it's a particular movement of lifting a bag of garments and twisting into the boot and then putting it up onto rails you do enough of that and then you know like you load down into the car out of the car and then you set yourself up but then you have to break it all down then bring it back up into the house so it was a lot of work so I stopped doing them for a while and then recently I started again um, because I have been looking for a premises, I think yeah. you know, and nothing suitable has come up yet. I want to be in the Stony Batter area. Yeah, I'd like to be within walking distance, or you know, that I can pop up and down from the house. Um, and it will only be a few days a week. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. Well, I look forward to whenever you yeah, do. Find I think. Oh, I have. I have plans. I have plans. Ah. Like, <laughs> I have. You know, I I had the idea that I would have. Um, a different maybe you know a, a couple of times a month on a Saturday I'd have a different different trading friends yes would have a pop-up you know that's such a nice Isn't idea. It a nice idea really nice you know? and also that means that people that are visiting they have a new reason to go every Completely, time as well you yeah. know not that you're not reason enough maybe oh. but you know what I mean it's, it's, it's yeah um, you kind of look again at something when something's kind of evolving and changing and well um, I thought that because I don't generally sell jewelry and things so I thought yeah. it'd be nice if people like jewelry um maybe to have once a month vintage jewelry or you know th- th- that's just an idea it's yeah. just kind of an idea um um because well now there are more markets again um, but when I was thinking about the idea originally, there were no markets. I think it's great. All my friends who are trader, traders who have not, they're yeah. just only trading on Instagram or, or Etsy now. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would be, and also a bit of crack, yeah. you know. Ah, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And and so fun to go to as well. I think there's always a really special atmosphere. Yeah. When you're talking about those clothes that you had been looking at, looking after um, when you were younger, had that kind of given you the idea that cared for clothing lasts and that there's, you know, a history to clothing? Was that was that what first sparked that idea in your head or where did that come from? It was the fabrics, I think. It was the fabrics I, I really liked. I remember this kind of brocade and there was a 1960s dress in a... It almost was kind of like it was a turquoise a mermaidy material with big um, chiffon sleeves and I loved it I knew I wouldn't have worn it but um, yeah it was kind of like I think it was almost like theatrical I liked the idea I I just really liked these clothes and I 
would have dressed up a bit around the house and stuff as well too. So then I had a really good friend um, as a teenager and we became obsessed with Gone with the Wind, the film. Oh yeah. And we went to see it three times once in a week. It used to come to the Curzon in, um, where is it? And it used to be on Abbey Street. Oh yeah. Um, and like we were obsessed with Scarlett O'Hara, totally obsessed with <laughs> Scarlett O'Hara. And we used to flounce around the house. And um, at one point, we even went around the local shops with our hair kind of tied up in these sort of like, you know, hairnet things down like that. <laughs> oh my God, I love Kind those. of like, yeah, I know. Um, yeah, so we were really into that. So I was kind of like dressing up, I suppose. And then, yeah, then we, we Greece came. Mm-hmm. And myself and my friend then got into the 1950s. And we wore um, 1950s outfits, like uh, circle skirts, to um, the local youth club discos. And were, of course, highly ridiculed. We didn't care. We were doing <laughs> mad jiving and everything. And where were you getting the skirts? Well, um, one of the skirts had been... One of the skirts was... It would have been in... Um, and more wasn't a 1950s skirt it was belonging to her older sisters but it was a floral circle skirt and I remember it was too big on the waist for me so I had to I had it hitched up with sort of like almost like braces made out of I don't know whether it was bits of braid or something yeah. underneath the t-shirt and then we had the thick belts but um you couldn't get ankle socks for adults, white ankle socks for adults in the 1970s. So I remember we went to the down, the the Ivy Market and got socks, but they were a bit manky, so we bleached them. <laughs> but the bleaching obviously weakened the fabrics because after uh, the dancing, I remember the heels, the whole heels disappeared <laughs> out of the socks. But yeah, we just, you know, so it was a bit of a crack. But I mean, at that point, like we really got into this dressing up business and like, we were out in the suburbs. And I remember um, I used to dress up in like kind of outrageous outfits and call around to my friend and I'd ring the house and say something like, um, I believe you're getting a visit from Jackie O. (laughs) (laughs) And then it was only a couple of hundred yards I'd walk around to her. But I remember one time anyway, I was wearing a leopard skin jacket um, belonging to my mother, um, which I still have. And over some sort of like white cheesecloth um, drain pipes, and, and you know they weren't they were they weren't in those yeah, kind of like yeah. drain pipey trousers or skinny jeans as yeah. we'd call them now. I had big dark glasses and a headscarf over my head, and I was walking to my friends, and suddenly I saw this guy from my class in school walking <laughs> towards me. So I just kept going. He obviously didn't recognise me. Remember. <laughs> Amazing incognito as uh, whoever took your fancy on any given day. Yeah, you know, so, so it was funny. just like I suppose so. Yeah, so I was always kind of into dressing up. Yeah, um, but also it sounds like you always had fun with yeah, it. It was fun. It was it was fun, kind of, I and mean, it was real kind of innocent sort yeah, of fun, yeah. you know. But yeah, so where did you and your sisters share clothes or fight over clothes, or were you all did you have different tastes? Um, not. I was the youngest. Now I used to love when my elder sisters were getting ready to go out, going mm. to dances, and they were wearing maxi skirts with little there was a kind of a fashion for a sort of an a-line maxi skirt and then these like skinny ribbed tops but they were short sleeves to yes. here yeah, with yeah, little yeah. buttons a scoop neck and little buttons so they'd be wearing outfits like that or cheesecloth maxis wraparound yeah. ones so I used to love it'd be really exciting watching them all getting ready to go out and they'd all have the long hair yeah um so 
and then I mean they were more grown up than when I was going out you know going start to go yeah. out myself so yeah and then they had left the house and stuff I suppose but yeah I did like thing. I mean like yeah I, I can remember some of the outfits they wear mm. I mean I kind of remember events nearly by what people were wearing yes same yeah. so I mean that's that's why I, I started this podcast in the first place because I think when you talk to people about the clothing that mattered in their life they, they can always remember what they were yeah. wearing at significant yeah. times in their life mm-hmm. but I remember that with my sister I used to sneak in she's like eight years older than me she's my eldest sister and they'd be getting ready and she'd be like okay you can stay in the room if you sit on the floor and it'll be inside kind yeah. of the door and I'd sit down and it would just be this the smell of there would be hairspray there'd be cigarettes being smoked out the window there'd be Egyptian wonder flying all over the place there'd be banana clips and you know and I just was looking at them going this is heaven you know and I can still nearly I can be transported there today yeah. if I close my eyes and I thought they were the coolest people that I'd ever and there's so there is something about an older sibling wearing something, you know, that that um, that kind of leaves a mark, doesn't it? It's just something that you can recall really easily. Oh, yeah, definitely. And more so when we look back, um, sometimes I look, we were looking at some old photographs recently and just seeing the, you know, the flared uh, trousers and yeah. all that. But yeah, I mean, everyone looks so well. And of course, yeah. we were all so self-conscious that, you know, like, and you look back going like, she, but you were gorgeous, you know. Which is something that I feel really strongly about with my younger customers who, you know, are like agonizing over some tiny fault in their, they perceived, perceived yeah in their figures. I it's know. Like, oh, you're gorgeous. Believe me, I know I'm, I'm an old <laughs> lady to you now, but like really, you know, I look back at myself and I kind of go, oh, oh, jeepers, you were agonizing about stuff. And you think that, you know... We were also gorgeous, gorgeous, but, you know, um, gorgeous. just you know, I, I I feel terrible when I see that, particularly you know, people thinking they need to lose weight all the time mm. or stuff like that. Mm. But anyway, um, yeah. So well, you can help them get confidence through the clothing then as well. Yeah, and I imagine well, I've seen you with customers yeah. as well. And you know, I there is something very special that happens when someone's trying something on with you as well. And it's not a it's not a salesy thing. It's it's that you're so excited by it. And I've seen yeah. you. There is this thing that I see people sometimes that they've never even worn a vintage dress. Let's say they put on a 50s one. Oh, oh, I couldn't do that. Or I couldn't get away with that. Like, I hate that. I hate that saying. Yeah. Um, but the on, and they kind of come out standing a little bit taller. Like, they know yeah. that that they look good, you know, oh, yeah, and they just I need that, that confidence to go out and actually, yeah. to go out and actually wear it. I'm also, I'm, you know, I, I it has been said, I'm very good at, at picking things for people. Yes. Knowing maybe what size or well, you know, just picking something that will work for them that they mightn't have thought about. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I, I don't do hard sales. You know that. Yeah. Um. I and I kind of feel that if you do a hard sale kind of thing, it, the karma is really bad, particularly if it doesn't suit somebody. Exactly. You know? They're leaving with that last. That's the last feeling they have, and to be feel like you've been forced into something. And no, 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 it's not that at all. And I suppose that the the very nature of the events at which you are trading or your own pop events or different people's markets, and there is more kind of a celebratory um really kind of uh, camaraderie within within the walls as well, uh, which yeah. is really fun as well. You know, you're talking about that time growing up and you're talking about your friend there as well. Is there any um piece of clothing that you really associate with coming of age? I don't know if that's when you, you were saying that you spent a lot of time away as well. Yeah. Um, mm, I have the dress I wore for my 21st party. Where was that? Um, 
I think I had my party at home mm-hmm. in the house. But I got the address from somebody's grandmother, my friend, my old friend's grandmother, when we went to San Francisco when we were 18 or 19 or something. We went for um, a few weeks and ended up staying an extra few weeks. Oh, but yeah. She gave me some pieces. because, my, And my friend didn't take any pieces. But I even and then I was still, I was like, oh, yeah, God, I'd love that. And it was a pink cotton um early 60s shift kind of a dress but it had um a boat neck and sleeveless slightly a-line but it had beautiful um like uh, a flower going down the front but it was a pliquet so there was a green embroidery and uh, embroidery and then thick embroidery and a plique of like roses going down the front oh my god sounds phenomenal um and it was beautiful but i wore it in an 80s way where i hitched it up with the gold a gold kind of a braid belt thing into a mini and I had gold kind of sparkly tights and I think I might have had a gold thing in my hair, a big gold earrings yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. So it was quite eighties. Yeah. Um I had gold pumps. Yeah, I remember that and slightly sparkly gold tights and stuff. Did you feel fabulous? Um, yeah I did. And I, I had that and then I I wore it then. It went into storage, like when I went off traveling and stuff. And then I kind of resurrected it and I wore it a bit again for a while. And then I gave it to a lovely singer friend of mine, Emily Conway, who wore it for a long time. And um, she wore it to some gigs. I used to love seeing her when she'd yeah. be in some of my dresses <gasps> at, at gigs. She was a great customer as well as a really good friend. And I have a good few customers who are singers just because I suppose I know good few singers being yeah. a singer and um I kind of know what works for performance and whatever you know and in, in jazz as well too a kind of a a vintage look can work, work really well can help tell the story a little bit yeah can't it? so I really loved seeing it on Emily because I had I, I I'd kind of outgrown it wasn't me anymore mm. and it was lovely seeing it on Emily I think she may even still be wearing it um but I have a lovely picture at the Sligo Jazz Festival where I'm wearing one of my dresses and Emily's wearing that dress and another singer, Victoria Gein, is wearing one of my dresses oh. that she'd bought before. I didn't even know she was a singer when she was going to do a course in BIM when I had the shop in Francis Street. So, and she'd bought, I got, I got my gold, you're wearing one of my dresses. So. That's so funny. Would you remember, would you recognise most things that you've sold? Um, probably not now, mm-hmm. but I mean, I would, you know, if they're special, distinctive, I mean, that, yeah, yeah, distinctive, I would, because sometimes, you know, they say like, you know, a vintage is, is completely unique, but I mean, it's not because things from the 1970s were mass produced. Yeah. So like I have seen the same dress a few, you know, a few yeah. times, yeah. but I don't mind it. It's still less common uh, than, you know, something of from course it is. a chain of store now. And um, it just means it's great. They lasted. And, um, but I have. I've seen, I have seen the same dress. Sometimes like on people's Instagram accounts. Yeah, yeah. But because most of my stuff comes from America, it is less common for me that to happen to me here. Yeah. But I may see things on like American Instagram sellers. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I have that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Miss Elaine. Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, I was just thinking like what a kick your friend's grandmother would have gotten out of all the different ways this dress was worn. Oh yeah, you know. And were they, was she? Were they quite fascinated with the fact that you would want that from her? I can't really remember. She was. Um, her name was Chloe, but she she um, 
was I don't know whether she's from El Salvador or somewhere like that. So she had was very had very heavily heavy accented English, mm-hmm. and I don't think she talked that much. She was quite elderly at the time, mm-hmm. but I think she probably liked that I liked it. I mm-hmm. mean, and then I mean I never met her again, so I honestly I, I really don't know. Mm. Um, it is cool, though, to think yeah. that it, that oh. it uh, travelled so far and is still getting enjoyed today. I think if there's anything that I own that I think, I, 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 you know, I think I was saying this recently as well, that idea of buying something that's a future collectible. I think, you know, the idea that something would be so well cared for and and uh, that you get a kick out of it, but that people would still be wearing in a few years to come, I think is, well, that's basically what your whole celebration is when when it comes to vintage clothing yeah. as well so you're a jazz singer yes and which came first the jazz singing or the vintage trading because in a way it sounds like they go hand in hand they do go hand in hand the vintage probably that started at maybe a little bit before or in around the, the the same time i only started singing in my 30s mm-hmm. so um they both kind of coincided and like um when i used to gig a good bit it'd be like i love I used to love doing weddings like i i never did the full you know wedding reception thing we yeah. would do the after you know the drinks after reception, the drinks reception. Yeah. yeah and it was just lovely and then I'd be wearing a lovely vintage dress and singing beautiful old jazz standards. And it was all just lovely, like singing, <laughs> yeah. wearing vintage dresses was this was as good as it got, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and Bobby Darren had a phrase that was a, oh yeah, the audience hears what it sees. Yes, and, I um, love that. It's, it is true to a certain extent, you know, so that like, because I mean, I had a brass neck um, when I started singing first. It wasn't that, I, I, I always knew I could sing, but I was, I had no training and um, I was playing with experienced players, you know, who were very helpful to me. Um, and then I did lots of lessons and I mean I was really I became immersed in it because I wanted to I, I wanted to be in the band not just the singer in front of the band mm-hmm. and I wanted to understand the music more and I had listened to jazz m- most of my life even since the time I was a teenager I just liked it even though no one around me was listening yeah. to it so from that point of view yeah the, I think it helped me having um a dress that I felt was appropriate mm. was um, it like did you have a, a persona do you feel like maybe when you were singing that that the, the clothing was part of um I'm not sure whether it was a persona but maybe it was a prop yes yeah, um, yeah. or a crutch not really a crutch kind of a prop yeah it, it kind of got me more in the zone yes yeah you know but it just got me in the zone I suppose really and um but so to start singing in your 30s well, how did that come about? I had always had musician friends, mm. and then I was going in, going out for a long time with somebody who was um, a, a really wonderful jazz player and is um, um, jazz guitar player. But he well, it wasn't it, it wasn't a full time thing for mm. him. He had another career, and like most of my other friends, they were not full time musicians. So we started a little band and. Um, I just was winging it, you mm-hmm. know, and also too, because I had no experience, I'd end up singing things in keys that didn't suit me and stuff. I had to learn all of that. Yeah. Or like, they'd be going, oh no, that key is too hard. Do it in this. And I go, okay, I'll do it in 
And you know, so now I and now I know how to find out what key Sarah to work out what key I sing in and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was wonderful. It was great. Like um It sounds I, like such a great adventure that you got swept up in then. Well, because it, it was, was and I think it was because I was older I I had much more confidence. I was mm. kinda of going, This is fabulous, I'm up singing. Yeah, yeah. great. <laughs> Finally, you know, after secretly wanting to do this my entire life, now yeah. here I am. So yeah, and then sure anytime we went to a gig I would try and get up and and, and sing it. Like, really, I was shameless. <laughs> I love that, though, because, you know, when you're watching someone perform that you know is just so energized from it and it's coming from their toes out their fingers yeah. out their eyes and I'm sure you know through through the voice when you're singing as well I think there's something so infectious about that oh it's great well, I love the feeling of connecting with an audience and I think that I'm very good at, I'm, I'm good at entertaining people I'm I'm a nice presence on stage whereas I may not be the best singer in the world I I'm not saying I can't carry a tune I'm very happy with how I sing and uh, you know audience seem to like yeah, it as well too beautiful. but I just loved the connection with mm-hmm. people and being part of a band being on you know in the middle of all of this I was so exciting yeah. and singing beautiful songs and you were saying there that it was um an ex-boyfriend so yeah. you know boyfriend that that um that brought you into to the the jazz music scene is there any um piece of clothing that you can recall that makes you think about love or being in love over your life um, no, but just really, I'm kind of thinking probably my wedding dress, you know, which I, you know, I love my wedding dress. It was nineteen, it's a nineteen fifties cocktail dress, but it was beautiful. But I'm not really, no, I'm, I'm not really fe- thinking that any particular piece of clothing, um, made me feel in love because I kind of, I have a lot, I've lots of clothes that I like. Yeah, you know, um, and I suppose. I wasn't dependent on the, those clothes for feeling in love or whatever. Yeah, but you know. they make you think of, if, is there one that makes you think of love? It would be the wedding It'd dress. It'd be my wedding dress. Yeah, it would be. Or I have another, I have another dress. I, I had two weddings, um, you know, to my husband because we had an Irish wedding and a Danish wedding. Yes. And the dress I wore for my Danish wedding is a dress I've worn a lot. And it's a pink, early 60s dress um, in chiffon, which I bought at one of the fairs. From I can't remember. They were um, not her. I think they began with I, it, the name will come to me anyway. But they were you know a Dublin seller. Um, but they they they're not trading anymore. But it was pink with um pink chiffon with those like knife little knife pleats yeah. or sunray pleats that would you know if you and you turned but it had pale yellow flowers on it which sounds like really weird candy pink it was beautiful and I remember wearing it like with a big chunky yellow um bracelet and pink handbag and I, I just you know a matchy matchy lovely pink um kitten heel shoes lovely. and stuff and I still wear it from time to time yeah. um and you know that's something that I suppose I feel loved in it yeah um, my you know there was a lot of wonderful occasions wearing it yeah um and yeah over the period a period of the last you know I don't know 15 years or so yeah lovely. so um yeah hmm. and um you were talking about you, you know you're not afraid to accessorize and you're not afraid to kind of um make make a whole outfit and I was struck when you were talking about your aunties being nuns and that they were bringing 
um, bringing things over from, from all over the world that really I'm sure no one in the locality was being exposed oh, yeah. to really. It would really have mostly have been African and India and mm. India in particular we'd one auntie, um, Auntie Mora who lived there for over 50 years and she came home every four years. So she would, we had, we had beautiful things like um, really lovely saris and some of them, one of them I actually in my first flat I had hanging around the window and, and it was a beautiful kind of cornflower blue cotton one and got all faded on the inside. But I mean, I think I still might even have that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we used to have kind of like brocade Indian things on the back of the armchairs and stuff in our in our sitting room and things. And How like, fascinating because it adds such character, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, like, you know, elephants, lots of carved elephants and um, brass snakes and like loads of nicky-nacky yeah. um, ornaments. Yeah, at that. yeah, yeah, yeah. it would have been unusual, but we grew up with all of those and kind of with the... We, uh, Mainly in my family would all like to travel. Yeah. Um, so I suppose we had kind of exotic tales about India and Africa and stuff from the time we were kids. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think um, being exposed to some of those beautiful pieces um, from really far-flung places that, that would have been considered then, I mean, they are obviously far away, but you know what I mean? Really exotic um, places that people mightn't necessarily have been visiting at the time. Did that give you an appetite for for um, kind of adventure and for exploration? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I always... But you mean, I'd like, even as a kid, I would, anyone invited me anywhere, I'd go away for the yeah. weekend or on holidays. I loved going away. I really loved going away anywhere. Yeah. And um, I never, I left the country when I was, I just turned 17. I did au pair in Spain. Um, and then I went back the next year, they invited me for a holiday. And then I went on various short holidays. And then when I was just 20, turned 21 after, around 21 anyway, I went to live in Israel. Oh really? Um, and I what went, brought you to Israel? I went to be a nanny. Um, there was an ad in the newspaper for nannies. This is the nineteen eighties in Ireland, and you know everyone was leaving. Although I had a job, I was in a secretarial job for a few years at that stage. But my friend and I decided to do this anyway. So off we went to Israel, and my had I had a terrible family. Oh my God, they were just <laughs> awful. Um, and my friend had this lovely family. I had this terrible family. Oh my god! Oh, that makes it worse that you oh, knew what you were I missing. I know. I mean, I know it was just awful. And you, you got a day and a half. That was your weekend because Shabbat. You got a, it was Friday afternoon until you were back in work on on Sunday. So you Friday afternoon and then all day Saturday off was your weekend. So we used to try and get away for that. But and then I got. Um, my friend's family was so afraid that she'd leave because I was unha so unhappy that they got me somebody else. But she was even worse. Oh, no. I only stayed for a month. Oh, no, that was a nightmare. It was slave labor. She used to say things like, my last maid before you. I mean, and I was like, you know, it was supposed to be an oh, au pair. Um, and, oh, it was unbelievable. Like, I used to have to lift this really heavy furniture out onto the patio and lift the rugs up and beat them and put them all back in. And like me, I mean, you think like, I was more Dublin. robust then, but I was never a big person. <laughs> you know? So we left and we went off to... Um, to Greece, the Greek islands for the summer and slept on beaches and, and mm, that stuff. sounds much better. Yeah, <laughs> much, much better, better. offering. Are there any um are there any uh, outfits that you recall wearing from that time? Oh yeah. Well I know when we went off to Greece for the summer I had a, a like 
a very small backpack and we just wore shorts the whole time and like you know runner shorts yes those ones were and they had, they had little they stripes on the side yeah, yeah and the stripes down the side yeah those cool. and little t-shirts that. i did have one pair of trousers with me which i never wore the whole summer and i think i had at that stage i did have a couple of 1950s cotton skirts they were there you know those mexican souvenir skirts yes they were mainly black with kind of mexican motif things yeah. on them i had a couple of those and i had one of those with me and just t-shirts i think like and one jumper or one sweatshirt or something because sure you know it was warm the whole time and whatever so and i remember i had um one lipstick and uh, i had an eye pencil that had blue on one end and black on the other and that was my entire makeup <laughs> you were covered kit. you were yeah. covered all faces yeah. were covered that's amazing um is there um any piece of clothing i'm 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 interested when people love clothing and trade in vintage and are so able to sell it and I know obviously you're so happy to see it go to someone else but was there ever a time when you first started trading that you were thinking I don't know if I'm able to actually part with these things you know people ask me that all the time no I've never had any problem um parting with things um because I have an extensive collection of my own Mm -hmm. and I wear the same things a lot like I have worn the same um I have an Alfred Shaheen um sundress with a matching jacket I'd say I've worn that to like at least eight weddings. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, so I have things that I just wear a lot. And I don't mind if people have seen them loads because I don't get a lot of time, chance to wear these kind of pieces. So, um, no. I always think that's so weird as well when people say, oh, I've worn that loads. I always think, like, you don't say that about a friend. <laughs> I've gone out with them loads, you know. And when I, maybe I think they clothes differently, but, I, you know, that idea that I just love that. You'd be so excited to put it back on again yeah. because it gave you joy in the first place. That's a great analogy, though, about because they are nearly like your friends. <laughs> yeah, They've been yeah. through, you know, like, and yeah. sometimes an occasion didn't work out or something, but they yeah, were there yeah, yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Maybe just you I mean, and there I. Might be, there might be one or two things I kind of think oh maybe I could have held on to that but generally no I don't I'd be just delighted yeah. and in fact I often when I'm unpacking you know new pieces I kind of go like oh say oh Irene love, would love that or yeah. such and such a person would be perfect and I must you know you know yeah. um, and so I would have that but I have a one in one out rule oh so, right uh, okay yeah because I was going to say is the place Full of, well, of I well, it is. I mean, I do. It is, but there's still one. Yeah, there's still one for sale. <laughs> but I, I, makes I, feel better. I have, a, I have a, a, you know, I have a reasonably extensive collection. But I have, I, I mean, I, you know, my fancy pieces don't get worn that much, particularly during COVID. I mean, it's why I like I go to vintage events so that you can really wear yes. your pieces. Because I, I'm not. I think I spoke to you about this before. I don't really dress up like full-on costume vintage um because i hate people asking you you know are you in a play or something (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, yeah, i don't want to look that stylized yeah and so i tend to mix and match eras but if i am going to a particular event of course i'll go all out yeah i love it you know but so yeah no i and i i wear things out then or sometimes just event you know things don't suit you anymore or whatever i mean for a good while in my 30s and 40s, I was blonde. So the colours were different. Yes. And now I'm sort of like more, that's be more what my natural colour would be. To be kind of a brunette, mid-brown sort of. So then that's different. And another time when my hair was much darker, I, or I had henna hair for years in my 20s. Uh, um, 
that that was all oranges and yes. you know greens yeah. and then when it's dark you're all purples and reds it's really interesting to say that because I think sometimes people go oh I, I loved that and I put it on me it doesn't suit me at all anymore and they haven't considered that maybe their their hair has changed yeah. you know and a lot of people change their hair color and I think don't be doing away with it let's just you know hang on a second and really think about why it doesn't suit you because if you really loved something you don't want to be too rash about kind of yeah um, I, I wear hardly any black yeah um, same now that I'm older because it really washes me out now for a formal thing or when I was working I might have worn like a black uh, vintage of course cashmere yes. sweater or something but I'd always have a bright scarf on it yeah um, to break it up I've almost no normal black clothes on my wardrobe because it just I don't, it doesn't suit me anymore but it also my heart kind of sinks looking at it I, mm. it, I don't know why I so now I'd wear a navy or grey for kind of you know something more neutral yeah neutrally it's so funny that you say that you know because I wear very little black and what I went <laughs> a couple of years ago I remember I was I had a few black pieces in my wardrobe and I seemed to be wearing them a lot and then I said to myself I said well I've been wearing black all week and he's like okay and I said but what is that saying? What are my clothes trying to tell me? Because I really thought to myself, there's something going on here. Why am I being drawn to black, you know? But I mean, people might think that's mad because I know some people, my sister-in-law lives in Melbourne and they all just, you know, she wears black every single day and she'd be laughing at me because I'd be wearing these bright colours. But I really thought to myself, I need to have a little think now. What's drawing me to that as well, you know? And it doesn't, it just doesn't make me feel that happy wearing it all the time. I see it on other people and it can look so chic. And to me, I just feel a bit sad in it or something. I'm not really sure what that is, but I think it's, it's interesting that you said that um I could would completely get that get that yeah. now and I mean I'm very influenced by say I might have decided to wear something the night before and then the next day I'm just not feeling that color yes I don't yes. feel like I can't it would affect my mood um yeah. well I always say your clothes speak to you you know so it depends what they're saying on a given day it's really important that you don't put something on and think oh I'll just it's fine I'll, I'll just wear it because actually it's going to tell you all day that you're I not mean, we are kindred spirits I know because <laughs> it was like I had this other dress I was going to wear which is an old staple and I put it on and I just felt deadened yeah I, it just wasn't me and it's a beautiful dress and I was thinking oh, that'll look right now my new boots and yeah. everything and I won't look like I'm trying too hard or anything you know like, like a, and I put it on and then I, I was going like no so then I was going to go oh what else am I going to wear um and then this was literally on the yeah, balance of that. So I just popped it on and um I thought yeah I'll wear that and I have a nice 1960s red cardigan that'll go over it it's I'm beautiful it's kind of these things these ruffled they're, they're shoulders weird kind of epilati yeah. sort of things they're fabulous so under the car with the cardigan over they look a bit shoulder paddy which is not me at all because yeah. I always took the shoulder yeah, yeah, pad yeah. but it is cool so no it's very cool lots of different um, colours and everything Quinn going and on Donnelly. yes I yeah yeah them. yeah and I think they, they must have stopped about 10 or 15 years ago did they they did and they were um, they did arrange with Awear for um, oh, did, they? did they I'm pretty sure that they did but but then Donnelly Carolyn Donnelly is doing all the done store stuff oh, yeah. now isn't it yeah. so that's where anyway I have a lot of stuff household stuff yeah I like it's really pieces, nice yeah. it's really nice um and again i always think that there's kind of an asian influence with some of that stuff as well i just wanted to um make sure that we get a little chance to speak about uh the, the vintage trading um you you mentioned before that you shopped for, certainly for the for the socks that disintegrated on you in the end in the ivy market um was that somewhere that you shopped regularly when you were no. growing up or did you just go for specific things no, because we lived out, you know, coming in from, it was a big hole, you know, it was a big trip into town, Trek, yeah. like, because we were living in Clonsilla, so we didn't really know, and um, I think that, you know, I was nearly shopping out of the attic from at home, yeah. um, and 
I mean, I really got into vintage when I went traveling. When I went to live in America, and I, li- I lived in California for a few years. So that's when I really started wearing vintage. And so it's like you yourself started shopping and wearing vintage. Yeah. yeah. Because in the thrift stores, so we would have, um, say when you were traveling with a backpack, if you bought something, you had to leave something behind because there's no room. Yeah. And I remember finding that, like, I flew to Florida and went across the southern states and then settled in California. This in the 80s. In the 80s. Mm-hmm. And um, the first time I went into one of those huge big thrift stores, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it was massive, like, and I never had any difficulty with secondhand clothes yeah because as the youngest of five I think it was about 50 before I had something new <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah unless I bought it with my with babysitting money you know so yeah. like I, it, it was never a problem for me um so then when we, I got to San Francisco and I was hanging out with all these like really wild people and living the life like come on now you have to tell us more than that what was wild and what was the life <laughs> well I had a few different jobs at the time most of my friend, friends were French Oh, okay. But, I mean, I just had school French, so I used to answer in English. They would speak in French, and I would answer in English so that it wouldn't interrupt the flow, so okay. I'd understand what they were saying. Yeah. Um. So I worked in a coffee shop on Haight Street, which was really hippie. Is that like Haight-Ashbury? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. it was on Haight Street, literally. It, uh, it was called the Chattanooga Cafe, Um. and... So there was still all these street people who lived in the um, in the Golden Gate Park and stuff around, um, and it, it was fairly wild-ish yeah. now. Well, it was wild enough now, it was. So I worked there, and then I also minded some old people, elderly people, in Berkeley a few days a week. In the university? No, no. in Berkeley, in the town. In the town, sorry. Yeah, yeah which was across the bay. So I, I was wondering what the all bay. the elderly people were doing in the university. But <laughs> I also had a job in a Chinese nightclub. Oh my God, this is an eclectic. Yeah. So <laughs> what I would do, the coffee shop I would do, you do a shift from four until 11 or 12, never closed, I can't remember. Um, I do about three of those, three or four of those to, uh, a week. And then I'd work in the nightclub about three or four nights as well. So, um, the nights I worked in the nightclub, I used to mind the old people during the day. So, what I would do is, I'd arrive there for 11, make them their lunch for 12, they would go for a nap, I would go and have a nap on the couch as well. Well, I wasn't, there was nothing, I wasn't supposed to be doing housework or anything, I was there particularly just to give them company when they were up and, yeah. and make sure they didn't set themselves on fire because they both smoked constantly and they're both in bed smoking okay and uh, they'd give give them their lunch and their dinner so I'd have a nap and then I would get the bus down to Berkeley I would go into McDonald's change into my nightclub outfit and then get on the bar to select the dart here um to Oakland to the nightclub and it was very over the top 80s kind of like that it was the Chinese the the, the girls dressed really it was really high glamoury over yeah. the top so when you say it was a Chinese nightclub owned by Chinese yes. people frequented by Chinese people or was there it was mostly frequented by Chinese people but they I was a dance hostess and they really liked having western okay because I was going to say did you stand out like a sore thumb no no there were some American girls there was a, a German girl and a Spanish girl as well too and um so I used to wear these really over the top dresses like what? And uh, like, you know, those 80s taffeta things yeah. with like sort of, you know, 
they weren't even tulips. They kind of came out at angles, the hips like that. You know, and they went into tulipy skirts. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Massive kind of shoulder puff, pads, puffy things, but not ball gown yeah. more kind of like they were more cocktaily kind I know of things. Exactly what you mean. Yeah. But there was a shop at the bottom of Haight Street that had a big rail of these things that they were kind of on sale. I don't know what they were samples. But I got some of my dresses there and it was only later on I found that that drag artist used to find the dress. <laughs> well, you were in good company. Yeah. <laughs> so they were fairly over the top. I had a pink Did you one. love getting dressed going to a Yeah, event? I loved getting yeah. dressed. Um, and um, You had a pink one. Yes, yeah, so you just like wear one of your fancy dresses. Um, and sometimes I didn't dress that fancy, but I had, a, you know, I had a, a few like of those really over the top mm. dresses I used to wear. And yeah, and I, and I think I had a beautiful 1930s um, silk velvet little um, jacket that had beautiful Diamante buttons on it that I used to wear over them sometimes and stuff. So I suppose I still had a, a few vintagey bits in there. Yeah. And I think I had a couple of 1950s, you know, formal type skirts that I would have worn with little tops and blouses and stuff as well. Sounds so, so fun. I want well, to be a dancer. What is a dancer's death? Um, well, basically, you um, years ago it was called taxi dancing where you were paid for your time. You were a hostess where you would be called over to somebody's table and they were like clocked in. You were clocked in on their table. So you just had to sit and drink and dance with them. But there was no alcohol in the club. Oh, this is the most fascinating thing I've ever heard in my life. So how many different dates would you have throughout the night then? Um, It depended on how popular you were or if they wanted to let you go. You know, like, I mean, people had regulars. Your regulars would come in um, and... Yeah, so you might sit with somebody's table for a couple of hours. Um, and yeah. they're just drinking soft drinks. Yeah. The minerals. <laughs> yeah, like, so, I mean, like, I used to drink uh, coffee. I just have coffee. But, yeah, I mean, the most expensive thing was some sort of cocktail made out of, like, you know, different soft drinks, basically. <laughs> it walks handy. Yeah, but the Chinese weren't big drinkers. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we were all smoking like troopers. Yeah. And then there was to be a band playing kind of a Chinese band. So then you would kind of do sort of formal dancing or sometimes jiving and things. Or sometimes you didn't so dance. Was the music familiar to you then? Or was it very different from what you were um, Some of it was familiar. Some of it would be covers of old, you know, kind of Elvisy type stuff or whatever. And some of it was um, Chinese songs. Um, and a couple of the girls would get up and sing. Uh, sometimes and they you, you know, hadn't taken it upon yourself yet to start I hadn't up and um, <laughs> taken it upon myself yet no, but I can I mean it's sometimes for a party piece I won't I won't do it now but I do sing uh, one of the Chinese songs what oh yeah, my god did you not give us sometimes. a bar oh no no because I think it would I, I think it would be like I don't know. Everything's so PC now. It would be derivative or oh. something like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That was such an interesting job. I, I, I'm, I'm blown away by how different those three jobs were. It was like you had completely different hats on, living different oh. lives all the time. Was that in itself exciting that you were exposed to so many different types oh, of people? Oh, yeah. You were on the go the whole time. And then you were out hanging around with your friends, doing all this stuff, you know, um, which I'd never, you know, eating in Ethiopian restaurants or going 
to Big Sur or, yeah. you know, going to the nudist beach, Stinson's Beach, Stinson Beach, the nudist beach, wow. and like all kinds of stuff like that. Sure, it was great. And did you just always have this appetite for adventure? Like no, nothing, it sounded like nothing shocked you. Or did it? Um, I was very open to things, but I mean, I was, I was kind of, I was shy enough, mm-hmm. you know, and in a... I was kind of innocent in a way as well too. I just thought everything was great. Yeah. Well, it did sounded like everything yeah, was great. This is great. Yeah. Like, did you come back to Dublin totally changed because your eyes had been opened in so many ways? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely came back um, to Dublin. I, I probably wouldn't have come back, but I got sick. I got this thing called Hodgkin's disease, mm. um, oh, which is it's, it's cancer of your yeah. lymph glands. So I had all my treatment over in California, but then oh I really God. I was party through the whole thing, and I you really partied through the whole thing. I did, yes. And then I realised it was time to come home. I I knew I was really I just wasn't well, and I was about about to be starting a new job that somebody had got me because I mean uh, it like we weren't legal, yeah. you know. Um, so, you know, if somebody was leaving, you got one of your friends into the job and all yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. So I hope that enough time has passed with the statute of limitations that <laughs> they're not going to come get for me. Yeah. <laughs> like it was the little Irish one that looked after old people and served coffee and then wore outrageous dresses to dance with Chinese men. Remember her! Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so I So I how came were home. you when you came back health When I came home, I was depleted in all kinds mm. of weird things like copper and all kinds of things so I was taken on board by um a Dr Peter Daly a lovely oncologist who was very interested in my case because he had done further study in um in America and was interested in how I had been treated so it was a good year or two getting over that um and then I was grand again you know uh but you know, because you were saying that you had started wearing vintage over there and everything. So had you brought any clothes back with you and, and then proceeded to kind of trade in vintage? Or was that not? Because really your focus was just on your health at that yeah, stage. Yeah, uh, no, I but I had brought, when I came home, I had three massive suitcases. Like I went into Thrift Town and bought the biggest suitcases possible. I had a massive amount of stuff with me. And I might even still have a couple of bits. So I did. I remember then when I was going, looking for jobs. And I remember... I was wearing a vintage 1950s skirt. I remember as one of my interview interview outfits. But then I would have really, because that was the 80s then and, and things were getting a bit more outlandish. And then I was really wearing a lot of vintage in the 80s, like mm. oversized Hawaiian shirts over leggings. Cool. You know, all pink and bright pink and bright orange with, you know, vintage scarves tied in my hair kind of banana rama yeah, kind yeah, of thing yeah. going on and were, did people remark on your style a lot uh, yeah I suppose they did I mean I would have always probably been seen as somebody who dressed well in a mm-hmm. quirky way mm-hmm. yeah you know? and and just yeah it's still it's that it's that kind of energy you get from your clothing that I'm still getting that that, that was always something in your yeah, life yeah definitely um but I mean a lot of my friends would have dressed you know yeah a bit the same Mm -hmm. you know or have their own styles can you remember the first um piece of vintage clothing that you sold I remember having a vintage party in my house and that's how I started trading because people were always saying to me oh it's just because you're you're small you can get vintage clothing but I can I you know I'm bigger I couldn't get anything and I was saying that's not quite that's not true so then I set out to um, 
find bigger pieces. And I decided as well too to downsize on some of my own collection. And I had I was I, I did a vintage party once a month in my house for different groups of people for a good while. And they were popular. Yeah, very popular. And I used to send out these really funny newsletters. <laughs> And people would come. And then I kind of Where got were the a, newsletters going? What form um, were oh, they? I, would, I was emailing them to okay, like yeah. anyone who was on my mailing list. Like, And they were mostly people I knew, um, friends, and then friends of friends, you know, or like more acquaintances yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. And I would try not to be inviting the same people all the time. But yeah. then some of my friends would always want to come to me. <laughs> I would have to come to everyone. So there'd be a given three or four who were always coming yeah. for the crack anyway, you know. And uh, we used to have great crack, and it would be like people would be nearly tearing things out of each other's hands, <laughs> but very supportive yeah. and nice. And that was then Joan asked me to do the vintage fair, I think. Oh, no, no, I had the stall in Hoth. That's what I was going to say. I thought I, I knew you had mentioned to me that there was a stall. I started the stall in Hoth then. And how how I did, did that, that come about? I don't know. I must have decided I wanted to take it further. Um, because it's so long ago now. Mm. Um, but I went up to Hoth anyway, because um, I was living in Drumcondra, and um, I didn't really, there, was, there wasn't really that many markets. There was no vintage, really, yeah. markets or anything like that. Um, so I went out and I got a stall there. I did it every Sunday for a year and a half. I was working full time as well. Yeah, I know, that's incredible. I don't know how I did it. It was when I stopped, I realised I was a bit exhausted. Yeah, yeah. So I might have had a couple, you know, gone for a few weeks holidays. Um, but other than that, and it was freezing. So it was an outdoor. It store. was indoors, but it was in a kind of a, like a boat shed. It was oh, nearly gotcha. colder than being outdoors. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean it was by big that. Drafty yeah. doors at the back, and it was concrete. We used to stand on cardboard. But that's when I really took off, and I started building a loyal kind of clientele. Yeah. And I think that is one of the things. Um, when I think of you or if people mention Vertigo Vintage, like you always seem to be really involved in kind of uh, community and people seem to, y- y- you kind of create your own community, I feel like you have through the vintage. But then by extension, you know, you would campaign for different causes oh, and yeah. and um, and really, you know, you obviously have, you have a love affair with Dublin 8. Then, you know, you had your you had your um, store there for so long as well. And, and, and I feel like. Um, is that something like, do you get energy from surrounding yourself with kind of like-minded people? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like it's, it, it's, I, I do find it kind of trying sometimes when you're, you're, you have to explain vintage to people, yeah. like say somebody offered me their old sandals that were kind of broken down. <laughs> um, and I, I, you know, I didn't know how to explain without being like really hurtful. Yeah. And saying, like, you're throwing these sandals out. Do you think that I would like to sell them? <laughs> you know, so it's something, and even, you know, it, yeah, like, so it's great that being um, around people who get it. Yeah. And say, like, one of my closest friends um, wears mostly 1930s and 40s clothes. And I love her in that, but yeah. I, that wouldn't be me. And she loves me in mine, but she wouldn't like bright colors or anything like yeah, that. You know yeah. what I mean? So that means you'd be great shopping partners. Yeah, but well, we appreciate the, things. the things on each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So I, yeah, I do like uh, I do like the community things. I like supporting 
um, anyone who's doing something novel or something mm. that they're passionate about, particularly if it's music. Yeah. Um, so I used to have the musical evenings up in Francis Street, which was fantastic for the students from BIM or for people I know would do, you know, 15 or 20 minute set. Brilliant. And that was great. So, yeah, and I would do that if I ever get a shop, I'll have friends do yeah. little sets there or something. Please, we need the... the um the vintage gods to find first go vintage premises so we can yeah, all uh, you know, visit and enjoy that, it. Like I, I almost got that place since in Stony Batter, but um, it was between me and one other person, and they got it, and I'm, I, I was gutted first, and now could totally moved on from that, yeah. and actually felt it gave me the chance to enjoy the time off from work before I get stuck into something, because when I get stuck into it, I'll be giving it That'll everything. Be it, yeah. Um, for a few days a week. And, yeah, exactly. days. and nothing like a, a bit of space to give you perspective as well and to think, oh, would I have done that a little bit differently as well? I just want, I've loved our conversation, by the way. Thank you so oh, much thank for you. coming I today. Yeah. <laughs> but um, just before, um, before you head off, I wanted to know, was there any kind of outfit that you have worn at any stage of your life so far that you look back on and you think that that really, that represents Maeve and, and, and your personality? Um... God, I've got, to be honest, I've got so many outfits that represent my personality. Is there any of them that is, is there anything that you own that's the most important outfit to you for any reason? I think I really like that pink dress I was talking about earlier. I have great memories um, with it. But I would have pieces of clothing that are very important to me. Like I'm a cardiganaholic <laughs> yeah. and I have a couple of, cashmere cardigans that I have worn so many times in so many permutations it, it you know from with jeans to with uh, you know really pretty dress so I think that those wardrobe staples are the most important things to me um because I'm not really hugely attached to you know to particular pieces I like having them in my wardrobe but mm. you know if my wardrobe got destroyed I I would be able to move on from it yeah. you know that kind yeah. of a way but well so so what would you say then is the role of clothing in your life because it takes so many different guises in your life doesn't it yeah the role of clothing in my life is to make me feel comfortable in how I'm presenting myself at any given time mm -hmm. whether it's hoovering or going mm -hmm. to a formal event yeah I like to feel I'm representing who I am today in this stage of my life or whatever, whether it's whimsical or practical or low key, high key, but it would just represent who I'm feeling. Like I'm wearing something, I never wear, I hardly ever wear a pattern anymore. And oh, it's our beautiful on colors. You. But thank you. And you know why? It was because I had my nails, my, my red nails on since the <laughs> vegans and I couldn't get them taken off they're meant to come off this week but I had to wait until next week so I thought I couldn't wear these with the dress I'd planned oh yes you know, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that matchy matchy so then I thought yeah well this is lovely because yeah. if you're blues if you're black you're white and the all-important red tied in with the with the nails well, there I as really well. enjoyed talking to you and oh, I totally you, get that how you felt about why are you wearing the black I that. know I know yeah we'll have to investigate that further I think yes. in another conversation well listen to me um I know you're going to have more pop-ups and markets coming up as well oh, so we'll definitely, definitely 
definitely be yeah. um, sharing those. And thank you so much for sharing all your kind of memories and uh, your celebration of style, which is every day, which I think that's the key message as well for everyone, isn't it? Oh, thank you. And I can't tell you how um, honoured I was to be asked <laughs> in such great company of the other uh, people that you interviewed. I felt really like I was saying that my head was huge. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I've really arrived. I have arrived in the vintage world. That is so funny. You Thank are you. the vintage world, mate. Thank you so Thank much. You so much, much Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.